Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Millionaire Real Estate Agent Podcast. I'm Jason Abrams, and this is the place where we lift the curtain on the world of real estate like never before. Every week, I sit down with visionaries, pirates, and mavericks. We're here to document, demonstrate, and most importantly, demystify their game-changing models and systems. What secrets propel them to the top, and how are they living their dreams? This is about passion, it's about strategy, but above all, it's about real, tangible success. So buckle up and let's dive in. This is the Millionaire Real Estate Agent Podcast. Show me that you know me. Those few words were so powerful when it was actually explained to me by Carolyn Hyo, who you are about to meet. Here's the thing. Caroline has made an entire business model out of showing people that she knows them. She maintains a grace and an excellence across the real estate industry that very few of us ever get to see. And what you'll realize in very short order is that who she is and who she believes she can be drives the entire upward trajectory of her business. This is a story about inspiration and failing forward like almost no one you've ever heard. Friends, buckle up. You're about to hear from Caroline Hugh. Caroline, how are you? I'm very well. I'm grateful to be here. We are grateful to have you. And I just, in advance, I want to thank you for everything you're doing to elevate the real estate industry. I'm a huge fan of yours. I'm going to get into why as we go. But before I do, Help me understand, what was the journey to becoming a real estate agent? Did you, did you, is this what you went to school for? Like, did you wake up knowing you were a realtor? Of course we do, right? You did too, right? <laughs> no, it was, you know, it's been 20 years in real estate and it's been incredible 20 years. And there's a lot that led to it and really started in my childhood. I grew up in Canada, Vancouver, Canada, and my parents were active investors. And I was the one always asking them to tag along to their meetings. I just, I didn't know what it was about. However, it was just so fascinating to me and what real estate could do, you know, purchasing a piece of land, building some multi-units and then helping house people, uh, helping others build wealth through it. it. It was just really, really fascinating. So I would ride my bike along the weekends and look at open houses and report back to my parents. And I think that's the beginning of the love and the awareness of real estate. And after school, I went into retail and at a very high level um, opportunity. And I learned the power of client care the power of service. And after retail, I was recruited during the tech boom. Remember that, especially here in the Silicon Valley into a consulting company as a tech consulting company and helped to build teams and um, building teams. I learned to work with executives. I learned to ask great questions. I learned to listen. I learned to look for talent and and work in that way and consolidate Tiger teams for them. I was also with Prudential Preferred Financial Services. That's where I learned how to make cold calls, how to build relationships over the phone, and really dig into what really people needed. And then, you know, so after the tech, retail, Prudential, tech, and then we had our first child, Claire, and I was in Asia one day, and 
I looked at all these wonderful baby products and we didn't have them here. So the idea goes off and says, well, why don't we start bringing these over? And so I, I quit my job and started a baby products company with a baby on my hip um, in my house. I was doing, going, driving to the dock, delivering products. And people were like, there's no way you can sell to the big box stores. There's no way you could break even. And my question was, why not? And if I were to, how would I? And so within a year, we were in Babies R Us. We were at the right start. We were in all the major companies. We know won awards. And from that experience, I learned how to build a business from the ground up with nothing. Let me ask you, was, was that business successful because of the products that you had? Was that the moat or was it the way that you were treating the suppliers? Why did it work? It was interesting. So, okay, there's so many answers to that question. Uh, so the products were made overseas. I received exclusive distributorship to it, and I was able to modify it a little bit and package it under my name. It was interesting because the factory, the owner of the factory, wouldn't even look at me in the eye. He would always talk to my husband. And so that gave me even more fire to make it work. And I think it worked because it was very unique. I saw a need. People, people were coming up to me saying, where did you get this product? Where did you get it? And that's where the light bulb went off. And to see a need, package it beautifully where people would resonate it with not even understanding what it is that you looked at it, but because of the packaging would want to pick it up and learn more about it. And then explaining the value of it and how it's going to help someone. So I learned not to sell the steak, but sell the sizzle. What does it do for you? You know, how is it going to make your life better? And through that and just relationships, calling and not, not getting, not taking no for an answer. And also learning a very wise mentor said to me, don't just go for them right up front. Get the first small order, build a track record, then go, then go to the distributors. And I think those are some of the reasons. This makes sense to me, but I, so I want to talk about this. You say, number one, I identified a need. Number two, I packaged it beautifully. And number three, I then showed the value because it was actually mm -hmm. valuable to people. And I know we're talking about baby products. I get that. But, but I got to tell you, Caroline, we could be talking about the real estate business. We could be talking about anything, any service or product if you follow those three things. That's right. That's right. No, the first product was a straw. And if you looked at it, it was a disc with a silicon straw with a weight at the bottom. If you looked at it, you're like, what the heck is this? And then we discovered that children dr drinking their bottles lying down, it would get into their ears and build fluid in their ears and have ear infections. So if this, this device went into the baby bottle, you could drink sitting up at any angle. So lessen ear infections. You know, the, the mess that it has, it, it was great. <laughs> and the most beautiful thing was I was in Bend, Oregon, and I saw a group of moms using this product. And I went up there and said, do you like it? Like, we love this. We give this to everybody. That's when you knew. That's when you knew you hit it. This is fantastic. Okay, so now I'm like, now I'm pulled into this story. I'm assuming you sell this company for a billion dollars and you're taking this phone call from your helicopter because it's close enough to shore to get the signal. Oh, Jason, you assume wrong. <laughs> what happened? <Yeah. laughs> well, Costco comes calling, right? Costco. This comes is calling. great. Yes, this is great. This is the dream come true. And then at that time, they want, this is 20 plus years ago, right? They wanted close to three to $5 million of insurance, liability insurance. 
baby products, one of the most litigious fields. And so at that time, I couldn't come up with a premium. It was at that time, $70,000, $80,000 a year just for that premium. And for me, and I know this is not a great business decision, I just did not want to take loans from my family or friends just in case I failed, just in case. And so that went away. However, I was like, well, this is really fantastic. There's something here. And another company approached me to want to purchase the company. And I thought, great opportunity. And when I heard what their vision was with the company, it just didn't align with who I was. And I just could not see the product that I brought over on the store shelves under their name. So I walked away from it. You walked away from it or you sold it? I didn't sell it. You walked I away. I walked away. Get I out. Okay, wait a second. Okay. Stop the tape. You you walked away from the business because you didn't mm-hmm. want to sell it to a company that wasn't aligned with your values, even though you would have yes. gotten a big check. Mm-hmm. At a time in your life when a big check probably would have made more of a difference than it would today. Yes. Okay. And I don't, it's not the best business decision. However, I can sleep at night. It, it might be the best business decision because you've had wild success since then. But when you're, that must have been agonizing. What, how did you come to the decision? What process did you use to choose? And then when you had to tell your business partner, which I think you call a husband, that you're not doing it, what did he say? He's a little crazy and he supported. <laughs> well, of course. I mean, he looked at the numbers and he said, are, are you sure this is what you want to do? This is all these years of your blood, sweat, tears into this, building this from nothing, and you're going to walk away. And it's very much like our MVVVP. This is why having an MVVVP, mission, vision, values, beliefs, and perspectives in the Kelly Williams world is so important because you can measure major decisions against it. And, you know, in this business, we walked away from a $20 million client because he didn't align with our MVVVP. Wow. And it was easy to do. Okay, you had me right up to that point. It was easy to do? It was easy to do. Uh, we very clear in our values, very clear of how we're, the rules we live by, how we're going to, you're going to ex- know exactly what to expect when we engage with you. And I expect that in return. Because I need to value myself. Our team members need to value themselves. So when they're belittled, when they are not treated fairly, it's easy to walk away. Okay. Well, now I'm actually curious about the values. So what what values do you live by? And what values do you run your business by? It is 10 pages. 10 pages of our values and our beliefs. And it could be as simple as share. Share a smile. Share a piece of fruit. Share a piece of advice. Say hello to the newbie. Some Sometimes the grumpiest people, and I believe in asking questions because some of the grumpiest people may be people who are scared and they just don't know how to show it. Right? An example of that is a client showed up, you wanted to buy a house and he was amazing. Three weeks later, he was, he was rude, he was short, he was dismissive. So I asked him, is there anything that we did to bring you to this point? Because you're showing up differently. We want to apologize and make it right. And this is when he said, and our team was like, oh, let him go, let him go. It turned out his his mom was dying. His wife just lost her job. And so we said, this might not be the best time to, to purchase a home. And he said, I'm so sorry to waste, waste your time. Sent us five referrals. 
the truth is you never know who you're talking to and what they're experiencing in that moment. Someone once said to me, I'll never forget this. I was on an airplane and I'm sitting in the middle seat because I booked it last minute. And in front of me, there was this, there's this woman and she had a baby and the baby was crying. And I was literally sitting there and this is my worst nightmare all playing out in real time. And the, the, the person sitting next to me could tell I was getting tense. And she had an amazing energy about her older lady. And she leaned over and she said, you never know if the person in front of you is having the worst day of their life. And I, and I stopped and I thought about that for a second. And that's so accurate. You don't know what's going on in other people's lives. And what we have a tendency of doing is filling in the stories of their life in our mind. I'll prove it to you. You ever get, send someone a text message and then they don't reply to you fast enough so you decide what they're really saying by not replying? You, you decided they're ignoring you purposefully. How about this? Have you ever gotten a text message from someone, read it, and in your mind you're like, I know what they really wanted to say. Why wouldn't they just say it? None of that is real. <laughs> if Caroline would have just decided this person is nasty and he's just mean and she wouldn't have had enough emotional IQ or EQ, if you will, to ask, she never would have gotten the five referrals. Caring about people. And when I, I when I say caring about people, I mean deeply. And caring about people doesn't mean I care about you because I like how you make me feel about myself. Caring about somebody means I care about you because I care about you and the outcomes that you have. And caring about people will always, always give you the best return on your time. You know, you run this giant business, you know, $100 million in sales on an annual basis, and it's almost 100% by referral. So -hmm. how have you been able to build that? I want you to pretend that that I'm a real estate agent, which I am, and I'm sitting here trying to understand how to do this because I want to go build a referral business like that. How do I do it? Sure. I think there are four things, you know, this is the workshop that we teach is the four essential pillars of your business. If you, and it's not just a luxury business, it's any business. Number one is what is your culture story? What do you stand for? Number two is what is your service standard? Number three is what is your brand story? When somebody looks at your logo, Jason, what do they expect? What's your brand promise? And number four is how to build a database that is economy proof. Okay, so let's unpack this. How to build a database that is economy proof. Okay, we're going to come to that. Let's start with what is your culture? How do I start to think about that? You start with the MVVP. Why do I exist? Why does this business exist? What does it look like to the people around me, with my vendors, my clients, the people on my team? What is it going to do for them? What are the rules that we live by? What are the values and our beliefs? And what is the perspective that we want to have on our business? How are people going to see us when we achieve our mission? I mean, that's not a one-day thing. It's probably a few days you have to sit down and really think about and ask hard questions. Do you find, you, you said, well, ours is 10 pages long. I find that if there's more than one page, we can't possibly be on the same one. And so I always try to get everything down to one page. So when you look at the 10 pages of cultural understanding you have, are there one or two that you think are more important than the others, or are they all created equal? Oh, well, you know, I developed it by myself as an individual agent. And throughout the years, as we've brought team members, I've invited them along. Ah, Authorship it. is ownership, right? Yes. What Gary says. So it's no longer my vision, my beliefs. It is our vision, our beliefs. I love that. I love that. Now, is, is there a way that you audit 
your businesses to make sure that you're living within that belief system? Or is this just a all conversation the all the time? All the time. We're always looking at it. <laughs> so big decisions. So it's that $20 million client. And he was just showing up in a way that just wasn't aligned with us. And like Mo says, we weren't a match. So I wrote an, a resignation email to all the attorneys. The team was like all on board on it. And I said, let's look for somebody who will value us and appreciate us. Immediately, the attorney's right back. You can't do this. You can't resign. You're the only one that's gotten him this far. And then I asked for an apology. Something's happened in between. And you know what? We started working together again. He became the best client ever. By walking away and saying, drawing that line in the sand and saying, this is what we stand for. You can't cross that. He respected us more. I love that. I love that. Okay. Number two, setting service standards. What is a service standard? So when we talk about standards and, and even the luxury experience, right? Luxury transcends price points. It is not the price point. It's the experience you deliver. And everybody deserves it whether it's a studio condo to an estate and everything in between, right? It is, it transcends price points. It's the unseen experience. It is felt. It is something that money cannot buy. It's anticipating your client's needs before they ask for it. And it's solving your client's problems before they even know they have it. It is the surprise and delight and the moments in between uh, the milestones. And it has to be, like Brady says, easy, fast, and beautifully finished. And curated in a way that shows you that you know that you know them that's what the experience needs to be now you have that concept how do you do it right so the very beginning we were constantly auditing our list we have a buyer checklist we have a seller checklist we have a client referral checklist from the moment we receive the call through close and after everything that needs to happen what even the email and the text needs to say, the tonality of it. So if, if we teach the team, if we feel like this is a high D, it is a fond, hello, warm greeting, bullet points, boom, 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 boom. This is what's going to happen next. If it is an S or an I, it's going to be beautiful, flowery language and all of that. And this is what's going to happen next. So it's down to those details, even an email or a text that's going to deliver that experience. So we have checklists for every single milestone and moments in between. And we have to look for the moments in between by really listening to the clients, being active listeners. I love that. I, I do think, though, that there are tons of entrepreneurs that have checklists that don't end up ultimately getting to this kind of standard. Are there a few items on the checklist that are unique to your world that you would say, here's something unique that we do just so I can get a feel for what you mean? Sure. I'll give you a few major ones, right? So the first one, uh, a client uh, gets into contract. The first thing we do is we send them a gift. We send them a balloon, maybe at work, not at home, right? So when they are, well, we even talk about looking for the moments in between. So this is a time where the journey may go south, right? Expect it. So it's not just a transactional journey, it's an emotional journey. So for example, this little kid hated me. It's like he, every time he showed up, he's like, it's you, I hate you because I'm making him sell his house and leave his room. So writing a card to say, Owen, we know how hard it is to leave our house and pack up your favorite toys. And I cannot wait to unpack your toys with you next home. And you're such an important part of this. So thank you so much for keeping your room clean. Here's a Baskin Robbins gift card on us. And you know what? Raving fan. 
Yeah. So, Lucky Owen. Lucky Owen. So it's the moments in between. It is, all right, you, you're packing up your home. It's a home that you've loved. Let's send an organizer your way to help you with the, the hard things. What, what's an organizer? So it's a professional organizer that comes to town help without, we gift them five hours of her time. She charges about hundred dollars an hour plus, and it alleviates some of the pain. So if you can give, take the pain away during the, the process, that's an unforgettable experience. Okay. Stop the tape. You're, you, you, you're telling me that you have a professional human who's an organizer mm-hmm. who for a hundred dollars yes. an hour, this human comes to, to my house and just organizes stuff. Mm-hmm. So they can use it for packing things away or unpacking things through your next home. I, what if I'm not moving, Caroline? I feel like I need this person in my life right now. (laughs) She's coming your way, Jason. So good. You said, you said something that I haven't heard before. You said, if you know me, then show me when you're talking about gifts. What is that concept? What do you mean? It is anybody can give a logo keychain. Anybody can give a logo mug, right? Is that meaningful to you? How many do you have in your cupboard, Jason? I have so, by the way, I, I, anybody who sends me more cutlery, like I can only handle so many Costco <laughs> knives, I'm so good on that. Exactly, right? So it's being active listener. Like Dick Dillingham says, being a keen observer of life, K-O-O-L. You need to be a keen observer of people. And there are a few, there, I gave the lemon tree example at Mega Camp there, of uh, this Lady Rita, she was 86 years old, removing her from the home that she shared with her husband, her beloved husband, who just passed away, into assisted living. And I had asked her, what was your favorite part of your home? And she said, it's this lemon tree. We received it when we first married. They're both Italian. And so it was a sapling from a lemon tree from Sicily. And as they moved, they brought this lemon tree with them. And they were the last house for over 20 years. And she said, I'm going to miss that because it, when I look at it, I think of my husband or a wedding day. And for closing tip, once we moved her in, we could have given her a blanket, a picture frame, a keychain. What we did was we clipped a branch from that lemon tree, grafted it, and brought it over. So she would have that lemon tree on our balcony for the rest of her life. Yeah, that's really good. Do we know her? <laughs> Yeah, you know, you know her. Her. I hear what you're saying, which is when you show somebody with a gift that you know them and that you've been listening to them, it puts a different significance on the gift and the gift ultimately could become a symbol of the relationship. Absolutely. But you hear me. I'm not just a transaction to you. Yeah, I love that. Okay. That moves me to number three, brand story. What does that mean? So the logo is not just a pretty logo. Some people spend thousands of logos, thousands of dollars on the logo. And I asked them, what does your brand stand for? And they can't answer. So what does a brand promise? When you're looking at your favorite retail store or favorite brand or favorite restaurant, when you look at it, what is the feeling that evokes? What does it look like, sound like, and feel like? And what is your brand story? What is you? What do you want your brand to look like, sound like, and feel like? And do that exercise. What does your brand stand for? My brand stands for approachable luxury. And what is, is approachable? Lu- what does that mean? Go ahead. You can talk to me about anything. We will be there with arms wide open. It, it, your experience you're going to receive is going to be elevated. It is going to be distinctive. 
and it's going to be, it's going to surpass your, your expectations. Everything's going to be beautifully finished. So it, it's so interesting when the colleague mentions your brand, they, we had a veteran agent here and she, she's very jaded. She doesn't like everybody. And she told me after we closed, she said, I had these out of town clients and I brought them to your house. And I, when I pulled up to the house and you're listing, I said, look at that sign. When you see that sign, you know, you're going to walk into a beautiful product and everything's going to be just perfect. And we're going to have a seamless transaction. Wow. So when you have that brand amongst not just the public, but your agent colleagues, that's something else. So how can you build it? Well, and so this permeates through everything you do from your sign to the, the way you stage homes that are coming to sale, the marketing you're doing, the way that y'all are dressing and showing up, like this becomes the watchword. Is that right? It is. A, yes. And, and the scent that we use, you can be blindfolded and walk into a home. And that carries not only through our client, our team members, the vendor partners are your team members. The escrow officers are your team members. Okay, wait wait a second. I could have sworn you just said the scent that we use. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. have no idea what you're talking about. You, you're, you're scenting the air in every one of your listings? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, you're not. Are you really? I am. Yes. It's, so when you walk into a Four Seasons or a Ritz-Carlton, is there always a scent? Y- yes, it's called rich people. They have this amazing smell. <laughs> you well, s- we have rich people. <laughs> you, you have rich people scent? This is incredible. So what do you, you just put it in a diffuser and, you, and that's running in the house? It's a candle that we have. And, you know, it's not just one. We just don't want to Safeway and pick it off, you know, Glade off the shelf. It was curated. It was months and months of trying everything. What is not offensive? What is not too sharp? What is not too floral? What is not too sweet? What is one that everybody tested and loved? And it's a beautiful scent. And I'll tell you what, it's from our house. And the name is terrible. It's tobacco and ember. However, it is the most beautiful, elegant, happy scent. Okay. <laughs> Understated. So- as a special ask from the host to the listeners, please nobody go do that because I'm going to be using it in my home <laughs> and I'm looking for some unique flair. So you're all precluded from it. Caroline, thank you for the tip, tobacco and ember. Yes. It's unbelievable to me. It's unbelievable to me. So you've thought, I mean, if you're planning the way that the house is going to smell, you've planned everything else to go with it. It sounds meticulous. I also have to tell you, it sounds absolutely exhausting. When you do this sort of level of commitment, do you find that you have to slow down dramatically in everything that you're doing? Because I I wake up and I walk into the whirlwind that is the real estate business, and I'm like, quick, get a flyer out. And and it it sounds much different in your world. If you don't have systems around it, it can be chaos. You can have the greatest plan without a system around it. It's non-existent. It can go, it just could explode right in front of you, right? Right. So we have that checklist again, and then we follow it religiously. Every open house gets an open house box. Every listing gets an open house box. And in that box, it is a Swiffer. I mean, totally unsexy things like toilet paper, cleaner, you know, blue tape to tape steps, all of that. It's consistent. We're always auditing out light bulbs, all of that. Uh, this please turn off the light signs. It's it's this big. Every house gets that. It, this is how you lock the doors. You're walking through the house as if you were a buyer. How? What do I need to watch out for? What do I need to pay attention to? So it's a system. And it's also customized per house. We can't cookie cutter everything. I love that. Okay. So then 
the the fourth point was building this economy proof business. I haven't heard that term before. What does that mean? Well, it is having a database and out and clients and people that you know and allied partners who don't depend on the who don't have to depend on the economy. So when interest rates rises, our business is still going. We're still receiving referrals because these are clients, you know, the stuff six D's that we always talk about. Death, divorce, disaster, diapers, deployment, dividends, you know, all of that. Winning and gelato. <laughs> Delato. The new word. <laughs> By the way, anyone that wins Delato buys a mansion. It's just because math. <laughs> That's a great name. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to name our next pet Delato. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. And, and so building a database where, you know, when you look at clients, where when they make big decisions, who's invited to the table, Jason, with them? Yeah. It is their their wealth managers. It's their attorneys. There's their CPAs. There's their advisors. Why are we not at the table with them? So who do we need to be? What do we need to know? How do we need to show up to be invited to that table? It, it, it makes so much sense to me. It, it sounds like what you're saying. I'm going I'm to try to paraphrase this, even though there's no need to do it because it's so succinctly laid out. But I got to begin by knowing who I am. If I don't know who I am and what I stand for, I'll fall for anything. Number mm-hmm. two, I got to have service standards because if there's no moat around the way we're doing business that makes it unique, then anybody can do business like us. And in the service industry, then what are we actually selling? Then I have to have this brand story so that people know, number one, who we are. But number two, we have to have a, a North Star almost, Caroline, so that we know what we're doing and what's going to meet our standards. Because I tell you what, if it isn't if it isn't tobacco ember, it's not in our listing, which is amazing <laughs> to me. I like I love the detail on that. And then number four, if I'm going to have a referral based business and I don't want to be on the real estate roller coaster of life, then I have to be at the table with the professionals and I have to get referrals. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and all of that should be just rippled throughout your team. And your team members are even people outside of your team, right? Anybody that comes into contact with your client is a member of your team. We, When we show up to a listing appointment, we tell our vendors that show up, our, our contractors, okay, when you walk to the house, there's a death in the family. Please be very reverent. Just go through silently and come out. If it's a happy sale, go in, high five them. You know, if it's a divorce, don't make eye contact. It's very contentious, just in and out. So- how do you communicate all of these messagings to your team so that they're delivering what you expect? I love it. You you present all this with with a simple elegance that I find very <laughs> rare. So thank you for all of this. Okay, this makes perfect sense to me. Caroline, we would like to invite you to enter the lightning round. Now, okay. you've heard the show, but here I just want to make sure you understand because it's a big commitment. The way this works is we're going to ask you questions and then in fast succession, you are going to give us the first answer that comes to the top of your head. Are you ready? I'm ready. ready. Let's go. Caroline, what is your favorite color? White. Okay. okay. Stop the tape. That's the absence of color. That's... (laughs) Well, white, you put it against anything, it'll reflect. What's your second... Favorite color? Black. <laughs> this is the greatest thing ever. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Back into the lightning round. Caroline, what is your favorite food? Any type of noodle. Love that. What is your favorite movie? Shawshank Redemption. 
stop the tape. Andy Dufresne, it's so good. So good. And the friendship too. I we, I met a, per, a person, you're going to be hearing an episode with him, and he was sentenced to 65 years in prison. And he gets paroled after seven, and now he travels the world during motivational speaking. And the, the, the show that we did together is incredible. And you know what he told me? He said, of all the prison movies that have ever been made, Shawshank Redemption is his absolute favorite and the truest when it comes to the psyche of the prisoner. Ah, uh, yeah. It was great. By the way, yeah. it's interesting to note, in his mind, that's a movie about Red, not about Andy Dufresne and how Red mm. finds it. So ponder that. All right, back into the lightning round. Caroline, what's your favorite sound? My children laughing, just hysterically laughing. Okay, yeah. stop the lightning round. <laughs> what, again? <laughs> it's great when they're laughing and they're in like the toddler. Like when a baby belly laughs, the greatest thing in the world. But you have you have some grown children. Are you saying you still enjoy it? 26 and 22. And when they're being goofy and with us and they're just letting all out, it's pure joy. It's the best. Back into the round. Is there a book that, that changed you or changed the way that you thought that you think everybody should read? Aside from the one thing, I would say The Road Less Stupid by Keith Cunningham. It's a great book. Stop the tape. How good is Keith? <laughs> By the way, friends, if you haven't taken Keith's MBA, his four-day MBA, or read his other book, Keys to the Vault, you have missed out. They're great books. So good. Love that it's guy. Back all in. All tagged everywhere. Mm-hmm. Podcasts. Other than this one, of mm-hmm. course, and anything uh, Gary-related, is there a podcast that you like to listen to? I love Pivot. Karen Scott. Love them. Great okay, stop the tape. It's oh, interesting because you know Karen Scott before you know Scott Galloway. So you're you're a Karen fan. Oh, well, I. They're both great. They're both different. They're great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love Scott. I love Scott. <laughs> just I love Scott. Good. I love that. Together, they're great. Okay, this is fantastic. Last question: favorite yes. vacation spot? Oh my gosh, it would have to be Amankila in Bali. So far. We're not done traveling. So, so I'm far. in Kila in Bali. Yes. Okay. I'm just going to go out and just say single greatest answer we've had in the entire filming of this show. You just put everyone else <laughs> to shape. People are like Ken Posek's like Orlando. And I'm like, no, dude, it's Karen Bale in, in Bali. <laughs> okay. Caroline, thank you so you're much for joining us. You're awesome. Keep being you. It's and thank you for everything you're doing for the industry. Thank you for what you're doing for all of us, Jason. It's, it's an honor to be here with you. Congratulations. There it is, friends. It's in the books. Another one. I'm going to tell you this. She calls it approachable luxury. I'm going to say it slightly different. There is a grace and an elegance about Caroline and an energy that she brings to a discussion that few people I've ever met have. She pays attention to the details because for her, the details and caring about them are the symbol of how she actually feels about the relationship, which is why she already had written a note down to send me one of those amazing tobacco candles before I ever had to ask for it. She is an expert at reading people and deeply understanding where they are and what matters to them because she practices active listening, not because she's thinking about what she's going to say next. 
Here's the difference. When I speak to Caroline, I see her taking notes and processing the things that I'm saying, not so she better understands it in the moment, although that's important, but so that she can go back and deeply understand it in the future. You see, Caroline knows that every conversation presents an opportunity to move closer to somebody emotionally or an opportunity to push them further away. The thing that makes Caroline so approachable, so elegant, so luxurious, if you will, is because the setting that she brings is immaculate and the human who she shows up as is the person that all of us would want to be. Somebody who cares deeply about whoever she's communicating with. You see, Caroline's a genius. She absolutely exudes empathy, logic, and authenticity. And friends, those are the things, those are the bedrock things that make a great fiduciary, but more importantly, make a great person. Friends, listen to Caroline. She gives all of us a lesson on how to find deeper relationships and deeper meaning in life. There it is. That wraps another episode. Friends, I don't know what you're taking out of this. I really don't. I'll tell you what I want you to be taking out of it, which is these are the people that are having tremendously big lives. And the reason it's happening is because they're setting up the models and systems to do just that. Gary Keller told me that leadership is teaching people how to think so that they do the things they need to do when they need to do them so that ultimately they get the things they want when they want to have them. And that's what I want for you. You're all leaders, but it begins with leading ourselves. If you're enjoying this podcast, I want you to click the subscribe button anywhere that you get your podcasts. We want to be the voice in your head every single week. And every week we're dropping new content. We also send out a newsletter at the conclusion of every show to make sure that you get the highest points and the models and systems that were discussed. So if you want to sign up, I need your name and your email address. Head over to the millionaireagentpodcast.com. Millionaireagentpodcast.com. Enter your name and your email address, and every week that newsletter will be in your box. Friends, you just went on a journey. I hope that what happens between now and the next time we meet is absolutely wonderful for you. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. The views, thoughts, and opinions of the guest represent those of the guest and not KWRI and its affiliates and should not be construed as financial, economic, legal, tax, or other advice. This podcast is provided without any warranty or guarantee of its accuracy, completeness, timeliness, or results from using the information. 